Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hey everyone, this is Janie at Madlet Musings, and today we have Amanda Wynn with us. She is published by Kriegel Publishing, and she has some split-time historical, which means historical and present day probably, right? But anyway, I'll stop talking and say, hi, Amanda! Hi, Jamie! <laughs> it's so great to have you here, and you also just released a Christmas novella collection with Janair Trump and Deborah Rainey, too. Did yes, just in time for the holidays. It's called Oh Little Town. Um, it was all Janier's idea. I mean, she yeah. kind of gave up the whole thing. She's brilliant like that, and she thought it would be fun to do a novella collection of um, based on a hymn. So this is Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. That's oh. where the title of the collection comes from. And each of us got a verse of the hymn that we were supposed to take the title of our novella from. So, oh, so mine cool. is the first one in the collection because it is the earliest historical era. Like all three of us, the stories are set in the same small town in Michigan. Mine is set in 1912. Um, Janir's is set in World War II and Deb's is the present day. So since mine is first, I my title comes from, from verse one and it is called Hopes and Fears. Um, hopes and Fears of All the Years I Met in Thee Tonight. Um, there's actually a story within the story. There's a Christmas play that my characters are putting on. And so I called the play Met in Thee Tonight. So I got two little snippets from yes, the you. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> Yeah, musicians. We be, I'll, I'll put in the music thing. So yeah. I love that. That's so, so cool. I, I did just get my copy and the cover's gorgeous and the stories look amazing, but I am shelving it because we're recording this at the beginning of November. And mm -hmm. I have a tradition where I do not read anything Christmas related until the day after Thanksgiving. So this is my, my read for that day. Oh, good. Well, I don't read Christmas books. Um, actually, I hate to say it, I don't read Christmas books that much at all because I am kind of one of those people that like November is still fall. Thanksgiving is a thing. My birthday is at the end of November. So for me, it's like, it's not Christmas till after my birthday. Um, yeah. So when Christmas hits, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read all the Christmas books. And then I remember I'm a musician and a mom. And nice. December is an incredibly busy time for professional musicians because everyone wants <laughs> strings. And now we have special worship services and we have concerts and we have holiday things and blah, blah, blah. So I end up being usually really busy in December. And then I have yeah. to make Christmas happen for the Wenlets. And so then Christmas is over and I'm like, I haven't read a word in a month, but I am, I've got a couple of, I mean, I, I'm saving Deb's engineers novellas for the Christmas season uh, too. I haven't actually, I know what, I know the premise of their stories, but I haven't, I've skimmed them, but I haven't actually read them yet. So I'm, I am looking forward to that. Well, and I'm huge on the Christmas novella thing too, because it's really hard for me to read a full-sized Christmas novel. It's like, I like the yes. little shorts. Yes. I Those think a are... lot of people do. They seem to be fairly popular right now, which is great. Yeah. yeah. I think it's great. Okay. So to, for, for people who aren't familiar with who Amanda Wynn is, um, you've already referred to the Wenlets, which I know who they are. And you've talked about being a professional musician, but tell... <laughs> <laughs> Tell the readers a little bit more about you. 
Okay. Um, well, the Wenlets are my three kids. I have two boys. They are 13 and 12. And then I have a nine-year-old daughter. Um, my personal Facebook page, I've been telling stories about them their whole lives. So um, they are hilarious and they keep me on my toes and they keep me from taking life too seriously. Um, uh, let's see. I live in Kansas. And my stories are set in Kansas. I was born and raised in Kansas. And then I was that kid who was like, I cannot wait to get out of Kansas. So I did. I went to school out of state. I lived in Oklahoma for a while. I lived in Illinois for a while. And then we came back. <laughs> and I I wasn't honestly super thrilled to move back, but my husband needed to finish school. And there was a college here in Wichita that would finish his degree. He could finish his degree there. And at that point, we had our first baby, and he was super colicky, and I was at my wit's end with him, and I was tired of being 600 miles away from the nearest set of grandparents, so we moved back, and if somebody had told me 20 years ago, hey, you're going to be living in Kansas as an adult, and you're going to be writing novels set in Kansas, and Kansas is just going to kind of be your brand, I'm going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which part of that would have surprised me the most, because my degrees are in cello performance. I have... A bachelor's okay. and a master's in cello and I also play piano and so I am still an actively performing professional musician um, in addition to writing books so it's it's kind of crazy I juggle a lot of things but I love it and I wouldn't ever want to not do any of it so I just settle for having a crazy schedule most of the time. <laughs> I relate to that the crazy schedule but isn't it great to be able to do things that you love? Yes. I mean, I don't feel like a lot of the time, I don't really feel like I'm going to work when I go to work because right. I love what I do. And so it's like, you know, yeah, there are bad days, but right. I mean, most of the time it's like, oh, hey, I get to go to work today or hey, I have a concert. Hey, I get to write today. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And so you also write um, split time. So you and I have that in common yes. where we, where we write a little bit of both. Um, but your books, are they, are they, when, when I'm talking split time, are they all set part historical and then present day, or do you have a mix? Of they are historical, historical and present day. Okay. All right. That's what I was talking to somebody the other day and they were dabbling in split time and I was all excited. And then they were telling me that they were doing two different historical periods. Mm -hmm. And I was making the assumption that the split time was history and present day. So I thought no. I'd just double check. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is. I think the more, I think it's more typical of split time to be mm -hmm. historical and contemporary, but I admire somebody who would want to tackle two historical eras because that's, that's hard. And I don't want to do that much research. <laughs> right. Right. Well, no, there's um, Christy Cameron, she writes and she's, yes like a triple split time right <laughs> it's like two I, historical periods and mad respect for her I have no idea how she does that two is hard enough for me right right so tell us a little bit about your books then that are not the novella collection but the actual split times okay so I, I have two releases um they're part of a three book series called Sedgwick County Chronicles they're set in Sedgwick County Kansas which is where Wichita is um the first one is called Roots of Wood and Stone, and it came out last year, and it was a finalist for the Christie and the Carol last year, so that was amazing and surprising and all of the things. Um, it is based on some of my own family history. My mom is a genealogist, and she has traced our family longer than I've been alive, and so I've grown up 
kind of with this whole backdrop of how history informs the present day. So like split time was a really natural thing for me to write because I'm yeah. so used to history just kind of being there. Yeah. Um, so my contemporary character, one of one of my contemporary heroines, she is a museum curator and she was abandoned at birth and then adopted and she doesn't know anything about her own past. And so the book is kind of her trying to find her identity and trying to find out anything she can about who she is and where does she come from and how does how does her identity in Christ fit in with all of those. Um, and the past timeline of that one is a pioneer who ended up settling in Sedgwick County and um, the present characters find her diaries. And so that's kind of how they weave back and forth. And um, so, you know, that's, and the past timeline of Roots of Wood and Stone is taken very heavily from my own family history. Um, okay. The whole book centers around a century old farmhouse that the contemporary characters are kind of at odds with what are we going to do about this house? Some of them want to save it. Some of them want to sell it. Um, and that house is based on a real house that is about four miles from where I live. And my ancestors lived in it for a while. Oh. So, and it's still there. Like I drive by it all the time. And I grew oh. up knowing like that is my great, great grandfather's house. And wow. so this book is kind of like, it's an homage to him and all of my, I have pioneer ancestors that settled Sedgwick County. And so like some of their backstories show up in this one. So and then the uh, the second one in the series is called The Songs That Could Have Been. And instead of pioneers, we are dealing with 1950s because, you yeah. know, you've already researched one historical timeline. Why don't you do the smart thing and set your... The, 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 no, yeah, no, just make it more do, difficult and start a whole, yeah, new, a whole new time period. The easy, easy way. Um, so the there are a couple of supporting characters from Roots of Wood and Stone that are center stage in the songs that could have been. Um, it deals with second chance romances in kind of both timelines, as well as an interracial romance in the 1950s. That's mm. the past timeline of that one. So that one was kind of intimidating to write, but also sure. really, really rewarding. Good. So, Good. And then I am working on book three in that series. It does not have a title yet. Kriegel comes up with my titles for me and they do an amazing job. They're way better at it than I am. Uh, so I don't know what it's going to be called. It's coming out next fall assuming that I finish it, which I need to do. <laughs> but that's my, that's my NaNoWriMo goal. Like I don't, I don't do NaNo like the way that most people say you should, because that doesn't really work for my process, but I'm kind of like redoubling my efforts in November to be like, right. let's, let's actually like make some progress on this Deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I relate to deadlines. Deadlines mm -hmm. are are the ever looming. You just finish one and you think you have a moment to breathe. And then there's mm -hmm. another one staring at you from the corner going. Wah, yeah. wah. <laughs> An author friend of mine once said that like being on deadline, like being a published author is like having homework every day for the rest of your life. It really is. That's a hundred percent. I true. like it because I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, even much as I love it, there are days when I'm just like, really, right, <laughs> right. make words appear. Why? <laughs> I have to live in this story for the next three months. Ah. Oh, fun. I love it. So, okay. Your stories seem to have a lot of story depth um, and a lot of relational depth between the characters and, and also with 
just the area, the region and the history. And like you were mentioning the genealogy, um, how do you weave in faith into your stories? Take us a little bit deeper into that. Okay. Um, my characters usually either, I'm trying to flip through them. Most of them either are believers, like most of them are believers. Some of them are either immature believers or they're not they, they have kind of a block between them and God. Like they mm-hmm. don't, especially the one I'm writing now, she's had some stuff happen to her. And so she's kind of walked away for a, a time, but most of them are. And I think that's, um, that's part of what draws me to Christian fiction, because I think um, writing characters that don't have any sort of spiritual life to me, that doesn't, I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. most people have some sort of spiritual yeah. or religious life whether they, you know, are part of a faith or whether they just grew up with something or whatever they believe, most people believe something. And even if you believe nothing, that's still a belief system. Right. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fiction just kind of ignores the whole spiritual dimension of humans. And I mm-hmm. find that writing characters that are, if, if in my experience, characters of faith are a whole lot more believable just because they do include that dimension. And you know, as a believer, there's a lot of things that I've struggled with. I don't understand God's plan. I don't know why he allows some of the things that he allows. Um, Learning to trust him through those things has been kind of a constant challenge for me. And that's kind of, I think if, if any of my characters have a common theme, it's like learning to trust God's plan and whatever that looks like, especially in the first book. That's, that's sort of the theme of like, you have to one of my plant characters in the first book is an a type A control freak uber planner like mm-hmm. me. And you <laughs> have to learn that God has a plan and it's totally different than his, but it's way better. And he's got to kind of let go of his own plan. And that's something I still struggle with, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm learning. So I think, you know, as far as Christian fiction, I think, for me and what I write, I think the main purpose of it is to encourage believers and like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you're not the only one who struggles with this kind of thing. You're not the only one right. who's been through this kind of thing. This is, you know, normal. And if, you know, if if people who aren't believers pick up the book and love it, you know, that's fabulous right. too. One of my critique partners actually is not a Christian. And I kind of lean on her to tell me like, please tell me if I'm getting too preachy. <laughs> oh that's so cool though and I love yeah I'm I'm with you on the the concept of fiction and characters without any elements of spirituality because I think that's our spirit is such a significant part of what makes Mm -hmm. us who we are um and then being able to explore that within the faith genre is is such a precious thing to be able to touch and feel Mm -hmm. and experience as a reader as a writer um and building them in characters how has Christian fiction as a whole influenced you and your life as like a reader or a writer or just as a person, I guess. Huh, that's a really good question. Right, <laughs> right. I told you I wasn't going to interrogate you with questions, but it just popped into my head. And I'm like, yeah. come on, Amanda, blow us I, away. I think a lot of it for me is just, it's the same thing that I seek to give my readers you know, I'm kind of trying to pay it forward. Like mm-hmm. I have read books that have kind of hit me right where I'm at. And like, yeah. Hey, this is a character that is going through something similar to what you're dealing with or have dealt with. And this is how God reaches them. And there are times when God will just kind of like grab a line off the page 
and almost just like fling it at me like, hey, are you paying attention? This is for you, you know? And I know he can do that with anything. And he can do that. Like there could be two people reading the same book and God will pick different things to highlight for them. You know, there could be two people that have two different reading experiences and get totally different things out of the book. And I think that that's because the authors, like when we invite God into the writing process and when readers invite God into the reading process, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when he shows up. Right. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And I love that he can show up in fiction like that. And there's been so many times I've been reading a fiction novel and I'm just like, I don't want to say I'm brought to tears because I'm not really a crier, but you have that emotional experience where you're just like, whoa, that was so totally what I needed to read Uh at this point. Yeah. I'm not really a crier either. I mean, I I do in real life, but not, not fiction, like movies and books don't really, yeah, yeah. it's like, I can, I know they're not real. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm not crying over something that's fictional. Yeah. But um, you know what is funny, and I don't know if you've experienced this before, but have you ever when, when we talk about faith and and fiction hitting us between the eyes with a thought or something, have you ever been browsing and seen a quote from a book and you're like, wow, that's profound? Uh-huh. And then you realize that somebody made a quote from one of your own books that you wrote. Oh. <laughs> I've never like not realized that it was mine, but when it's like pulled out of the text and fancied up in a meme or something I'm like wow right. did I write that <laughs> that's pretty good well, I, I love are we sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I have to go back to my book I did not write that no that didn't that was not me but honestly no. I think that is part of being a writer is sometimes you know the Lord I think sometimes puts words into our our minds and thoughts and, and really steers our writings and our stories uh-huh. so that those types of quotes can be there for people to grab hold of that actually is where the title of my first book came from. Like okay. I, I had a title for it. Kriegel's title committee met and they were like, mm, we're going to give it. And they title. I mean, when I first got the email, like, Hey, the title of your debut novel is roots of wood and stone. I was like, really? <laughs> like that? <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, that's not anything I would have come up with in a million years. And mm-hmm. I, I was like that sounds like an architecture textbook just right off the bat that was what I thought and I I emailed Janir my editor and I was like um this is a cool title where did it come from like how did you guys come up with that and she said uh it's from a line in your book she said yeah um go here and I looked and there's a, a line and I'm not going to quote it no it's fine because it's been like five years since I wrote it by this point but it's like they're talking about the house and and the character says this is it was a house just a pile of wood and stone and yet it was so much more and when I found that I was like oh that's where the title came from okay this is good I like the title (laughs) (laughs) I love it I love how words do that they come back and visit us and we don't even realize that they have visited us before and we're like whoa this is awesome so that's so cool. So if readers want to find out more about you, find out more about your books, follow you and become rabid fans of, of your stories, where do we go? Uh, you can visit my website, which is amandawen.com. Um, There you can subscribe to my newsletter uh, and 
for newsletter subscribers, for new subscribers, I've got a free short story for you. It's kind of Valentine's Day themed, which is not super seasonal at the moment, but it was still really fun to write. So that's that's there as a freebie for you. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and BookBub. Super cool. Super cool. Awesome. Well, Amanda, this was great having you. And then we'll just have to have you next fall when your next release comes out. Absolutely. We can talk all about yeah. that one. Love to come back. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Are you a writer wanting to go deeper in your writing and get to the heart of your story? Join Christy Award-winning author Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com, where she will take you on an intimate, fun, and exploration of going deeper, the layers of your story, the four corners of foundation, and more. Find out how to be mentored by Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.